Hi, this is Mike Adams. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture. Join me Monday through Friday for the latest farm and agriculture news from around the world. Informing America's farmers and ranchers, this is AOA, produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone. Welcome to AOA. Hope you had a good weekend. Thank you for joining us this last week of July. A lot of weather challenges to talk about. We'll do that with John Baranek, DTN meteorologist, coming up a little bit later on. A lot of challenges for the biofuels industry as uh, recent court cases have not gone their way. And now it looks like the uh, administration, EPA, is going to hold off on RVO levels for a while as they uh, consider political concerns here. Wow. Those political concerns are nothing new, and unfortunately, neither is a delay in the RVO announcement, but we continue to wait. Jeff Cooper, president and CEO of the Renewable Fuels Association, will join us to talk about that. And we'll talk markets with Matt Bennett. He's in East Central Illinois, an area that continues to get rain. We'll talk with Matt about conditions in his area and markets a little bit later. But we're happy to have back with us Sarah Wyant, editor and president of AgriPulse Communications. Sarah, thanks for joining us. Uh, this might be a busy week in Washington, D.C. as they approach the August recess. That usually gets them doing something. Well, good morning, Mike. It's a pleasure to be back with you. And yes, there's nothing like a good August recess deadline to get the juices flowing and some legislation mm-hmm. moving. Um, you know, it still remains to be seen whether or not this infrastructure package will uh, stay on the rails, but. It seems very, very positive over the weekend. A lot of good comments by both Republicans and Democrats about how they're going to pay for this, which, of course, is always the most contentious part. But it it does look like uh, we might have some details as early as this afternoon or late evening on what's going to be in at least that first $1 trillion infrastructure package. So we may finally get some movement on that. We'll see. Meanwhile, spending bills, a lot of money in there, increases for both USDA and EPA. Absolutely. Uh, A lot of the money is focused on, of course, increased regulatory and enforcement issues. But it looks like the House could pass the fiscal 2022 spending measures for about seven different uh, bills, um, including one that covers USDA, FDA, the Commodity Futures Trading Commission. So all that is moving forward uh, pretty quickly today, uh, this week also. Also interesting to see what happens with ag labor. Uh, Ag groups are certainly pushing to get some reform there because of the need for ag labor in this country. Um, Secretary Vilsack kind of went back and forth with some uh, Republican senators last week over the House passed bill over a pathway to citizenship for farm workers. He certainly did. It was a very contentious uh, hearing in Senate Judiciary. And if you uh, want to look, we have an article on it on our AgriPulse website. But there's a lot of... uh, uh, very strong emotions on whether this Farm Worker Modern- Modernization Act legislation will be uh, good for the country or whether it's just a, a pathway for amnesty for a lot of uh, illegal immigrants. Uh, as you know, Mike, all across American agriculture, there's a shortage of workers. And if we can't get something fixed here, it's just going to continue to be a problem for so many farmers and ranchers. And so Vilsack was, I think, at the heart of trying to express the concern and the need for those who are looking for farm help. 
got to be a way. I've said this before. You know, every time this this is addressed and somebody throws out the word amnesty and everything shuts down, there's got to be a way to break through, at least on the ag labor front. One would hope, but it's it continued to be so contentious over the years. And as you could see from that hearing, it just didn't get any better. Sarah, you have, of course, uh, your, your West Coast Bureau. You do a lot of work uh, in the Western states, and we know many of them are really hurting because of uh, heat and drought. We talk a lot about the Western Corn Belt, but if you go all the way out west, if you go to California, uh, Montana, I was talking with a friend in Montana, emailing with him today, and, and he's telling me how bad it is in that state. Uh, there are a lot of folks really struggling. Heat, drought, grasshoppers, uh, wildfires, a lot happening to those folks. Yeah, it's just been devastating. You know, over the last couple of weeks, we were back at our farm in North Dakota. and You could see the pastures are all dried up. The grasshoppers are everywhere. They're thick as thieves. And you really see a lot of problems. And, of course, we came from California before we went to North Dakota. And between the wildfires and then an additional uh, water shutoff is being proposed by the state water board, as we reported Friday night, uh, that's going to be decided August 3rd. But you're going to have producers who just aren't going to be able to do anything this year and in so many parts of the West. And it really, really is devastating. What are people saying as far as what could be done? I mean, I know in California over the years has been a big debate over water retention on when when you do have water and better retention distribution system. Uh, what's being discussed through this drought? Well, I recently wrote a piece about the fact that there's just uh, so many different parts of California where you could have additional storage. And there's been money budgeted for extra storage, but it just, between the lawsuits and the environmental challenges, it takes forever, it seems, like at least a decade sometimes before work can start. So there's that concern. There's also the concern about trying to see how we can have additional investments in soil health and of course, you know, a lot of these measures just take additional money. Uh, and the governor in California, at least, has been willing to invest some additional resources, but getting them off the ground and, and in a year like this when there's absolutely no water in some of the most uh, arid areas, uh, there's really no alternative at this point of the growing season. We know the devastation of losing a, a crop, a yearly crop, but in, in the case if you're a some sort of a tree farmer and have to take out trees, well, that's a, even a longer-term impact. Well, absolutely. And then there's also this grasshopper issue. You know, a lot of people wonder why we need crop protection chemicals and insecticides. How would you feel if, you know, you look outside and all of your grass and all of your vegetable gardens or whatever were just gone because of these insects? That's how some of these farmers are. They have entire crops that are just missing because they've been eaten up by grasshoppers and, and other insects. So there is a USDA APHIS program to help with spraying, and that's starting in some states. But, again, it just takes trying to get through the red tape of, of getting some action done. And also, you're going to see consideration in Tuesday, at least by the House Ag Committee, of trying to do more on disaster under this wildfire, wildfire and hurricane indemnity program, um, looking at an extension of that. So people are paying attention, thank goodness, but um, it's going to take a lot of different things to help pull these farmers through in these devastating fire and uh, weather conditions.
All right, Sarah, good to have you back with us. Uh, glad you had safe travels. Thanks for joining us and giving us an overview. We appreciate it. Thank you, Mike. Sarah Wyant, editor and president of AgriPulse Communications. Um, on the grasshopper front, some Western producers uh, uh, dealing with what some are saying, the second largest grasshopper outbreak that has been seen in the last 35 years. We'll be talking more about that in the days ahead. We're going to talk more about the weather coming up next. DTN meteorologist John Moranick joins us. Take a look at if there's any relief ahead this last week of July and what he sees ahead in the month of August. That's coming up next. Stay with us here on AOA. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Don't go away. More Adams on Agriculture coming right up. Choose the proven performance of the Roundup Ready Extend crop system, featuring high-yielding Extend Flex soybeans and the exceptional weed control of Extend to Max herbicide with vapor grip technology. Elite genetics, triple herbicide tolerance, flexibility that delivers results, backed by 25 years of innovation. That's the Roundup Ready Extend crop system, the system of choice. Extend to Max is a restricted-use pesticide. Always follow stewardship practices, all pesticide label directions, and check with your state pesticide regulatory agency for specific restrictions in your state. And Anyone could sell you soybean seed. Channel Seedsman placed products to perform. With Channel Extend Flex Soybeans and Channel Roundup Ready to Extend Soybeans, you'll get the excellent weed control you want and the high yield potential you need. Make the most of next season with the Roundup Ready Extend crop system and expert recommendations from Channel Seedsman. Ask a seedsman in your area for recommendations for your fields. Check with your state pesticide regulatory agency for specific restrictions in your state. Always read and follow grain marketing and all their stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. DTN and Progressive Farmer bring producers the best content in agriculture. Each day our editors post unique content to our website, bringing you the latest news and information you need for your day-to-day business decisions. DTN and Progressive Farmer provide insights throughout the year to questions like, what is the outlook for corn yields in 2021? Will feed prices surge? What about land prices? And what's today's weather forecast for my farm? For more intelligence like this, visit DTNPF.com. Informing America's farmers and ranchers. That's our goal at AOA. Each weekday, you get an hour of the latest takes from people who know agriculture, the policymakers, and the people who have the inside scoop on what's happening behind closed doors. People who have their finger on the pulse of Washington and agriculture around the world. AOA is your daily source for all the information you need to stay in the know. Informing America's farmers and ranchers. AOA. Vision loss is not something that you feel until it happens. Most people lose their vision from diseases like macular degeneration and glaucoma, not at birth. With macular degeneration, you lose your central vision. You have a blind spot right in the center of your face, so I can't actually see your face. So even that little circle in which I could see became a big blur. I was 65 when I first was diagnosed with glaucoma. There were no symptoms. I had no headaches. Three million Americans have glaucoma, and half don't even know it. 11 million people in the United States have macular degeneration. You lose mobility, independence, changes your entire life. So many eye disorders can be treated if caught early. My husband tells me that I have beautiful brown eyes, and I don't want to lose that. Make a plan today to get your eyes checked. Visit brightfocus.org to learn more. 
You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You can rely on us for the latest farm and ranch news from around the world. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know on AOA. Now, back to Mike Adams. All right, let's talk weather with John Baranek, DTN meteorologist. John, thanks for joining us. Let's uh, go across the country and let's start out west with the the heat and the drought. Any relief in sight for them? Uh, Yeah, but we are going to have to continue to see some uh, uh, more days of hot temperatures across the plains here uh, for the next few days. Uh, We're going to stay stuck around 100 or eclipsing it for the at least through Wednesday. We'll get a front kind of moving through from northwest to southeast across the Corn Belt here on Wednesday and Thursday. That'll bring temperatures down 10 to 15 degrees. So we'll see a little break here, but uh, we're going to have to go through some heat to get there. We've talked a lot about the Dakotas and uh, parts of Wisconsin and and Minnesota. Let's go out even further. Let's, Let's talk Montana all the way out to California to the coast. I mean, it's pretty widespread, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Uh, That ridge of high pressure just will not move. It has been there since early June. It has wavered at at some points here throughout the summer, but it has been anchored there all summer long. It has been unrelenting uh, a couple of times where we've had record high temperatures here earlier this summer uh, across uh, good portions of the Pacific Northwest, which really hurt the wheat out there. Uh, Elsewhere throughout the Throughout the West, we have seen an uptick in the monsoon, so I'm not sure everybody knows about that, but, you know, typically when you think monsoon, you think of India and Southeast Asia, but we have one here in the United States, too, and uh, that's been actually pretty active across the the Four Corners region and into the Great Basin. Uh, We've had a lot of drought out there, but uh, we've seen some reduction in that here over the last couple of weeks, as that's been fairly active. Yeah, Canada's been hard hit by this, too, hasn't it? Yeah, you're not. Yeah, it's a lot like the northern plains there in the Canadian prairies. Uh, temperatures haven't been as hot, um, just because they're a little bit further north. But uh, the dryness has certainly been there. They've had some isolated showers at times, just like the Dakotas, but it has not been enough to reduce any of the drought. They continue to be behind. Coming into the Midwest, some parts of the Midwest got more rain over the weekend. We did. We saw some good rainfall uh, from central Minnesota over the over to northern Michigan. We also saw a good band as the front moved through uh, from kind of southeast Missouri up through lower Michigan. Uh, I think it bypassed a lot of the wetter areas in central Illinois and, and northern Missouri. So I don't think we got too much wet in the wet areas, if that makes sense. But we did see some uh, some some good rainfall there to to keep soil moisture up as we go through reproduction. Yeah, in central Illinois, amounts varied, but uh, a lot of the area did not get too heavy of rains, but they got a little bit more, and. Uh, as we look to this week ahead, we wrap up July, some will be saying good, good riddance, and others are saying, well, if it continues like this, we'll be in good shape. That's just the extremes of this year. Yeah, it really has. I mean, even though we've been talking about the really dry northwest and the really wet southeast, I mean, there's variability within that, too. Um, you know, there's, there's some parts of the Dakotas and Minnesota that aren't doing as bad as, as you might think. Uh, I know around me, it's it's actually really interesting to just kind of take a drive through uh, central Minnesota here, and you see uh, areas where you're looking at, oh my gosh, it's a complete loss, and others where they're like, 
everything's nice uniform, nice and tall, corn and, and canopied soybeans, and you're like, Wow, this looks pretty good. So I mean, there's a uh, there's quite the dichotomy, even even within the, the the regions themselves. All right. Well, give us a look at uh, this week ahead, and then give us a look into August. Sure. So um, that ridge just does not want to move. I don't see anything on any model solution anywhere really breaking down the western ridge. Uh, it might weaken at times, but we're going to stay uh, we're going to stay pretty strong with it here this week. That's what's creating the hot temperatures. Um, and then there's a a trough of low pressure kind of over Hudson Bay, and it'll be kind of moving into eastern Canada and sometimes across the northeast U.S. as well. And that's really going to keep the the Corn Belt fairly active, actually. Um, the storm track will be right through the region. We'll see little disturbances though, instead of big storm systems. So. Uh, we're going to see scattered showers and thunderstorms instead of widespread. I and mean, we're not going to see big shields of rain moving through. We're going to be seeing more focused uh, lines uh, of showers and th- th- thunderstorms move through. So we'll stay active, especially uh, right along the um, the U.S.-Canada border. Minnesota to Michigan has the best chance of seeing wi- anything widespread here over the next few days. Uh, that front that I mentioned that will come through on Wednesday and Thursday will kind of dry things out across the north. but bring uh, some scattered showers to the southern Midwest. And um, then a, another system, uh, keeping with the active track here, will uh, develop in kind of the Nebraska-South Dakota area and move southeast over the weekend. This will bring some good rainfall at least to South Dakota, but probably Iowa as well. Iowa got missed a lot uh, last week. Uh, everything went either north or south of them for the most part, so they were pretty dry. They were really needing it, the rainfall, that is. And it looks like uh, if they can hold on through a fairly dry week ahead, the weekend looks pretty pretty good for, for widespread moderate to perhaps heavy rainfall. What about temperatures? Temperatures, right. So uh, still stuck in the hundreds uh, in the plains until this front moves through. We'll be in the 90s through the rest of the Midwest, again, until the front moves through. Uh, When it does, we'll see temperatures get knocked back about 10, maybe 15 degrees at times. So uh, while we may be uh, talking about 80s in the plains, they'll still be 80s in the Midwest as well. We may see some 70s in a few of the northern spots, but uh, we'll be still in the 80s, so nothing too chilly moving through. Uh, After that weekend system moves through, we may see more widespread lower to mid-80s here early next week before temperatures kind of rebound again. This whole pulsing between the ridge in the west and the trough in in eastern Canada will kind of keep temperatures waffling a bit through next week. So what about your month of August forecast? Yeah, models really like to keep that that ridge stuck out there in uh, in the west. And they kind of weaken it at times, uh, but for the most part, it's still there. And um, while we may miss out on that trough across uh, the Hudson Bay and eastern Canada areas at times, uh, we're really going to stick with that kind of active-ish looking pattern where we see scattered showers and thunderstorms pretty much every day across the Corn Belt in different areas, uh, but nothing overly widespread or heavy. So we'll continue to see showers probably below normal for most areas, unless you're one of those lucky areas that gets hit several times in a row. That is going to be likely to happen somewhere. We just It's going to be very difficult to pinpoint where that's going to be. Temperatures for the most part during August, too, are 
with the ridge stuck out west will likely be above normal, especially in the western Corn Belt, where we kind of have seen that ever since June, uh, and will be kind of more normal to perhaps a little bit above normal across the eastern belt. And finally, uh, John, amazing uh, how those wildfires in the west, that smoke is just moving across the country. I know here in, in, in Illinois, a lot of hazy days uh, from that smoke. Yeah, and that's helped to uh, keep temperatures down uh, a bit, too, uh, when that's uh, occurred. Um, you know, normally if you get forecast highs of 95 or 96, you may only end up at 90 or 92. Uh, so we're, it's keeping temperatures down a little bit. But, yeah, the haze with the, with the, with the trough out west, the, the flow is kind of out of the, the northwest in the upper atmosphere. And uh, that's been bringing down the uh, Canadian wildfire smoke across quite a wide area uh, of the U.S. So it sounds like uh, just spotty as we move along as far as precipitation, and it's just going to continue if, if, you, if you're in the right spot. That's correct. Yeah, we're going to continue to see spotty showers. Uh, like I said, it will remain active, but it's not going to be widespread. Yep, sounds like you know, kind of more of the same for what it's been like for so much of this year. All right, John, thanks a lot. Um, for those that are in the dry areas, we'll try not to blame the messenger. You just got to give us what you got. So uh, hopefully we'll see a change soon. But thank you very much. Thank you, Mike. Have a good week. <laughs> All right, take care. John Baranek, DTM meteorologist. Seems like we've been kind of saying that same pattern of weather for a long, long time. So really, really devastating uh Issues, especially to the west, the drought, the heat, the grasshoppers. We'll be talking more about that later this week. It's been a, a rough stretch for the biofuels industry. A couple of court rulings uh, didn't go the way that the industry had hoped, and now it looks like the administration is going to hold off on RBO levels. And we're still waiting for the 2021 levels to be announced. There we are coming to the end of July, and now we're not sure when those may be coming. We're going to talk about that with Jeff Cooper, president and CEO of the Renewable Fuels Association. What impact does that have on the industry waiting for those levels and the uncertainty that the waiting creates? And um, what's the good news right now for the biofuels industry? Seems like there's been a lot of negative news, but Jeff Cooper will tell us uh, if there's some positive news out there moving forward. That's coming up next. Stay with us. You're listening to AOA. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Don't go away. More Adams on Agriculture coming right up. Choose the proven performance of the Roundup Ready Extend crop system, featuring high-yielding Extend Flex soybeans and the exceptional weed control of Extend to Max herbicide with vapor grip technology. Elite genetics, triple herbicide tolerance, flexibility that delivers results, backed by 25 years of innovation. That's the Roundup Ready Extend crop system. The system of choice. Extend to Max is a restricted-use pesticide. Always follow stewardship practices, all pesticide label directions, and check with your state pesticide regulatory agency for specific restrictions in your state. Anyone could sell you soybean seed. Channel Seedsman placed products to perform. With Channel Extend Flex Soybeans and Channel Roundup Ready to Extend Soybeans, you'll get the excellent weed control you want and the high-yield potential you need. Make the most of next season with the Roundup Ready Extend crop system and expert recommendations from Channel Seedsman. Ask a seedsman in your area for recommendations for your 
fields. Check with your state pesticide regulatory agency for specific restrictions in your state. Always read and follow grain marketing and all their stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. You're listening to AOA for the American Ag Network. I'm Jesse Allen reporting as we take a look at the market trade. Graded soy markets modestly weaker here on the prospect for a slightly cooler and wetter forecast beginning on Thursday into the weekend. However, for the next few days, the hot and mostly drier forecast will continue to draw down already slim moisture supplies that are seen in drought areas. We continue to have this fight between the bulls and the bears here in the market as we do see those rain opportunities. Uh, the market's looking ahead to that next week. Temperatures expected to moderate. Rainfall opportunities are going to scale up a bit. Rain opportunities in these drier portions of the western ag belt will primarily be thunderstorm cluster activity that develops in the northwesterly flow coming over the top of the high pressure. Now, of course, uh, looking at all of this, it's going to be a continued haves and have-not story here with our crop as we move into the uh, key pollination times, move through those key pollination times and towards the fall harvest. That eastern corn belt looking very, very strong, while the western side, a lot of folks wondering if we can reach that national record corn yield that is uh, being expected. Right now, it doesn't seem like that is the case. The markets can kind of seesawing back and forth a little bit uh, as far as uh, trying to find that direction and sentiment so far bearish sentiment here on this Monday. September core down 8, 539 at a quarter. Soybeans for August down 11, 1390. August bean meal down 560 a ton, 348. August bean oil up 36 points, 6602. September Chicago wheat down 12 and a half, 671 and a half. September Kansas City wheat down 10 to 3 quarters, 635 and a quarter. September Minneapolis spring wheat 10 and a quarter lower. At eight seventy three and a quarter, live cattle are higher. August up one twenty seven, one twenty two seventy seven. August feeder cattle up two sixty two, one sixty two seventy. And August lean hogs down twelve at one hundred seven twenty two. The Dow Jones down thirty eight points. You're listening to AOA. I'm Jesse Allen reporting. Take a look under your bed. Find stuff under there? What about jobs? No? Now try your basement. There's a pair of overalls that overall you're not so into anymore. A perfectly good laptop that hasn't sat in your lap in months. And even more stuff, but still no jobs? Well, you really have both. See, stuff is defined as household articles considered as a group. Sometimes this stuff is no longer needed. Wait, no longer needed? That can't be right. Because remember those jobs you were looking for? Those are really needed, and they're the stuff inside your stuff. Even inside that winter coat that moved with you to Phoenix. Our job is to unlock those jobs, and it starts when you donate your stuff to your local Goodwill. Here's how we do it. When you donate to Goodwill, we sell your stuff to provide job training for people right here in your community. So just by teaming up with Goodwill, you help create jobs. And isn't that worth parting with the leftover guitar from your 80s cover band? Goodwill. Donate stuff, create jobs. Find your nearest donation center at Goodwill.org. A message from Goodwill and the Ad Council. Hi, this is Mike Adams. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture. Join me Monday through Friday for the latest farm and agriculture news from around the world. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know on AOA. Now, back to Mike Adams. All right, so um, 
Recent court rulings have not gone as the biofuels industry had hoped, but um, there were still some positives out of that. And the last time we talked with Jeff Cooper, president and CEO at the Renewable Fuels Association, we talked about the fact that a lot of this just goes back to EPA and that there have been encouraging signs and words from EPA on how they were going to handle things. And the, the next big test could be the RVO announcement as we look for the levels to be set for uh, meeting RFS standards both in 2021 and 2022. But now we're starting, we keep getting reports that they're going to keep delaying and delaying what's already a late announcement. So Jeff Cooper, who joins us now, I ask you, uh, how do you um, how do you view this? If it is going to be a, a, a longer delay, how do you view this and what it might mean to come from this administration? Well, Mike, uh, thanks for having me this morning. It, it is uh, indeed a frustration for the industry that we are now at the end of July, uh, still without any proposed volumes for 2021 RFS blending requirements. Uh, we don't have any idea what EPA will require for 2022. Uh, and we also know that, that even when they do propose these rules, it'll take three or four months for them to finalize these volumes. So we're, we're very well looking at, uh, very likely looking at October uh, or November of this year before we know what the final 2021 blending requirements will be. And by that time, we're, we're you know, virtually through the year. So it is a problem. It's, it's uh, incredibly frustrating, not just to our industry, but to the entire supply chain. The, the refiners and blenders and, and farmers and everybody involved in uh, the renewable fuel sector, anybody with a stake in this program is anxiously awaiting these proposals, and we don't understand uh, why they continue to be delayed by this administration. We know, we know why they were late to start with. Uh, that wasn't really the Biden administration's fault. Um, you know, the Trump administration uh, really didn't do anything uh, to get these proposals going, and they were supposed to be, at least the 2021 volumes were supposed to be finalized by November of last year, uh, and EPA at that time hadn't even started on them. So we knew they were going to be late, uh, we, but we certainly didn't think they would be this late uh, getting out the door. Well, as you pointed out, and as I've said many times, both parties are guilty of this. It's been manipulated over yep. the years. Uh, I guess... <laughs> I ask this all the time. How do they get away with it? I mean, how do they, both parties just get away with not following the law? Yeah, Mike, it's, it's, it's crazy, and this does. This goes back to the Obama administration was late putting its uh, RFS annual rules out. Uh, so we sued them. Uh, the oil industry sued them. Uh, the biofuels industry won in court. We beat EPA, and, and the courts at that time said, EPA should have gotten these rules out on time. Um, it's, you know, it's in the statute, it's in the law that Congress adopted that November 30th is the deadline for publishing these volumes. Uh, then we saw with the Trump administration some, uh, you know, they started out good. They, they, they had the first few uh, annual rulemakings done on time, and then they slipped behind. And like I said, with the 2021 rule, they didn't even start on it. Uh, so it's, it's been an ongoing challenge and an ongoing source of uncertainty uh, and instability in the marketplace. I don't know what else you can do you know, when, when you take the agency to court and win, and they still are late getting these things out. Um, I'm not sure what other recourse we have. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's just crazy uh, to me that this is allowed to happen. And again, I understand why 
these rules are, are late getting out, um, but they shouldn't be this late. I mean, it's, this is getting, uh, getting to the point of, of ridiculousness. And the irony here for an administration like this one that wants to seem to do everything opposite of what the Trump administration did, they're doing about the exact same thing. They're going down the same rabbit hole here on this issue that the Trump administration did. Well, and that's that's the rumors out there that uh, you know that this is being further delayed because you know there's a, a handful of East Coast refineries that are really leaning hard on the Biden administration and and asking Mr. Biden to. Uh, intervene here and reduce the the RFS blending requirements for this year and next year because somehow the RFS is causing them harm and they don't like high rent prices and all that familiar garbage that we hear from refiners all the time. Um, I don't know if that's what is really uh, delaying uh, the, these rules from from being released. The other thing that that is on our radar and and you mentioned it, one of these recent court decisions, um, thumped EPA for supposedly not doing a robust enough analysis uh, on the impact of the RFS on endangered species, of all things. And so, um, so now EPA has to go back and revisit how they analyze the impacts of the RFS on habitat for endangered species. And so that may be part of what is slowing these, these proposals down, is now they have to go back and do that same sort of, of analysis for the 2021 and 2022 proposals. We, we just don't know. We're not hearing a lot from the White House or EPA on the real reasons for the delay on these proposals. Yeah, if that's the case, you may not like it, but at least they could give that as a reason. <laughs> and you would know, right. as you said, the way it is now, you don't know. We're talking with Jeff Cooper, president and CEO of the Renewable Fuels Association. Meanwhile, Jeff, here we are again, competing legislation being introduced in Congress for and against the RFS. Yeah, that, that's right. We, we saw um, last week uh, four senators, including Senator Feinstein, a, a Democrat from California, and Senator Toomey, a Republican from Pennsylvania, um, introducing legislation to uh, supposedly... Uh, eliminate the corn ethanol mandate under the RFS. That's that's their words. Uh, of course, there is no such thing as a corn ethanol mandate under the RFS. Uh, the renewable fuel standard, you know, allows many types of renewable fuels to comply with the standard and, and doesn't dictate that it has to be corn ethanol. It just so happens that corn ethanol has been the lowest cost and most efficient way to meet the RFS. Um, but that doesn't stop these folks. This is the same legislation, Mike, that they have introduced in the past. I think this is either the fourth or fifth time they have introduced this bill. And, and let me be clear, it has zero chance of going anywhere. Um, it's dead on arrival. Uh, but these senators want to send a message that they don't like the RFS. And, and you know, okay, we get it. You, you, you don't like the RFS. Uh, but the reasoning and the, the rationale they use is just ludicrous. And the myths and misinformation that is coming from these senators um, is really just beyond the pale. So fortunately on our side, we, we do have a number of, of supporters and friends in Congress um, that are you know, trying to move the ball forward with renewable fuels and, and defending the RFS. Uh, and, and like you said, they are introducing their own legislation to benefit the industry and help expand and, and grow renewable fuels moving forward. So this will continue back and forth. Nothing new there. We don't expect really any of this legislation to, to get legs and, and take off. 
Um, it's just more noise, but certainly something we got to keep an eye on. And where are we on the battle to keep year-round sales of E15? Yeah, that's that's the the other big issue. And and again, as you know, the recent D.C. Circuit uh, Court decision uh, throws out EPA's rule that finally allowed year-round E15. Uh, and here we are in the middle of, of the summer when, when E15 sales had historically been banned. Um, so our goal, and so far it's working, is, is to um, you know, delay any action on that court decision uh, from taking effect so we can get through the summer months, allow retailers to continue selling E15 uh, through September 15th, which is that, that ozone control season. Uh, and then we got, you know, less than a year to get our ducks in a row and, and have a fix in place come next summer. And we're already working with EPA and certainly already working with our friends in Congress on a potential legislative fix. But uh, uh, both of those are, are uh, not great options, but we're going to do everything we can to, to make sure this barrier is, is behind us come next summer. It's not all doom and gloom, and you do a great job of pointing out positives, but sometimes it gets harder to find those positives, doesn't it? <laughs> it, it does, Mike, but, you know, I'm, I'm always uh, reassured when, when I, you know, pull up to the pump and fill up with E15 or E85, um, and I see the lower price, and I know that what I'm putting in my pickup is, is you know, better for the environment. I know it's supporting uh, rural communities, uh, and it's saving me money, so... You know, those three things haven't changed, and they're not going to change. Uh, everything else is just kind of peripheral noise. Uh, but the bottom line is ethanol presents a tremendous value proposition for the American consumer, and, and we expect that to only uh, improve and increase as we move forward, especially as we focus more on, you know, low carbon and greenhouse gas emissions reduction. Yeah, it. I don't know how many times I've said this over the years. It seems like a no-brainer, but it you know it seems like common sense. But uh, the common sense seems to be in short supply a lot of the time, and especially these days. All right, Jeff, yep. good to talk with you. Thanks for the update. Appreciate it. All right, thank you, Mike. Take care. Take care, Jeff Cooper, President and CEO of the Renewable Fuels Association. There's another irony in this. Not only does the biofuels industry offer a, a avenue to these climate goals that the uh, the administration keeps setting, uh, but also it offers a lower price at the pump at a time when the price of everything, including our gasoline, continues to go up. And it would just seem to be a no-brainer, but uh, wow, it's just, it's always difficult, always challenging. Coming up next, we're going to talk markets with Matt Bennett with agmarket.net. We'll talk about weather conditions, uh, crop concerns, and uh, how he sees this weather market playing out as we're about to go into the very critical month of August, critical especially for the soybeans. We'll talk about that next. Stay with us. You are listening to AOA. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Don't go away. More Adams on Agriculture coming right up. I'll take dig a little, learn a lot for 30 bushels. Soft and crumbly. Tom. How does healthy soil feel to the touch? Correct. Dig a little for 40 bushels. Sweet and earthy. Tom. What does healthy soil smell like? Yes, 
Go again. Dig a little for 50 bushels. Dark, porous, and alive. Tom. What does healthy soil look like? You win. Understanding the basics and benefits of healthy soil can make your farm a winner, too, through lower input costs, better yields, and drought protection, which can lead to a healthier bottom line for your business. Contact your local Natural Resources Conservation Service office today to find out how you can unlock the secrets in your soil. This message brought to you by USDA's Natural Resources Conservation Service and this radio station. As an organ donor, your story doesn't have to end. The good in you can live on. In fact, you could save up to eight lives with your gifts. Your heart could keep beating. Your kidneys could keep filtering. And your intestines could keep on digesting for others. And that's not all. You can improve the lives of 50 more people as an eye and tissue donor, restoring sight and health. And you're not just helping out the person receiving the transplant. You're touching whole families with your life-saving gift. Register in minutes. Just go to organdonor.gov. You'll be happy you did. And just maybe, someone else will be happy too. Sign up today. Go to organdonor.gov. It saves lives. U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Health Resources and Services Administration. Join us every Tuesday for Around the Table, brought to you by CHS, as we discuss how cooperatives support farmers and ranchers and build strong communities. Each week, we'll chat with voices from throughout the cooperative system, from global market access to local expertise. We'll explore how co-op ownership means you own a world of opportunities. Tune in on Tuesdays or visit cooperativeownership.com to learn more. The landscape of media has changed and people are more skeptical than ever about where they get their news and information. While major news outlets show decreasing credibility, your local farm radio station still shows strong marks. In a recent survey, farmers rated information from their farm broadcasters as almost twice as reliable as major news outlets. Farm radio continues to be transparent, honest, and trustworthy. This message brought to you by the National Association of Farm Broadcasting. Choose the proven performance of the Roundup Ready Extend crop system, featuring high-yielding Extend Flex soybeans and the exceptional weed control of Extend to Max herbicide with Vapor Grip technology. Elite genetics, triple herbicide tolerance, flexibility that delivers results, backed by 25 years of innovation. That's the Roundup Ready Extend crop system, the system of choice. Extend to Max is a restricted-use pesticide. Always follow stewardship practices, all pesticide label directions, and check with your state pesticide regulatory agency for specific restrictions in your state. Channel Seedsmen don't just sell soybean seed. You can trust them to understand your fields and place Channel Soybean products to perform. With the Roundup Ready Extend crop system, including triple-stacked Channel Extend Flex soybeans, you can be confident you're getting the excellent weed control you want and high-yield potential you need to make the most of the season. Find a Seedsman in your area for recommendations for your fields. Check with your state pesticide regulatory agency for specific restrictions in your state. Always read and follow grain marketing and all their stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. Each and every day, DTN and Progressive Farmer editors are posting unique, original content to their website at DTNPF.com, bringing you the latest news and information you need for your day-to-day business decisions. Their award-winning newsroom, 
covers markets, news, and weather, while also providing insights on crops, cattle, equipment technology, and more. You'll find innovative topics like, would you plant soybeans in December? Experiments look at the possibility of boosting yields with early planting. Want to save time? Learn how through autonomous machinery systems. Will there be a surge in feed prices in 2021? And what's today's weather forecast for my farm? The editors of DTN and Progressive Farmer are committed to delivering the essential intelligence farmers need every day to help your farm business be more efficient and profitable. Visit DTNPF.com today. You're listening to AOA Adams on Agriculture. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You can rely on us for the latest farm and ranch news from around the world. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know on AOA. Now, back to Mike Adams. When last we talked with Matt Bennett with AgMarket.net in East Central Illinois, they were on the wet side. Matt, did you get more rain over the weekend? Yeah, we actually did. We had uh, pretty good rain over the weekend. Saturday afternoon, we really didn't have much of a chance for rain. And then, uh, you know, uh, we had a little pop-up shower. <laughs> Dropped nine cents on my farm. Now, I will say that my dad's a, hour, or a mile north and a mile west, and he had a tenth out of that. Now, for the whole weekend, I had 1.8 because we had a nice shower overnight as well. And then my dad had about eight tens. And so I think on our farms, uh, which span around, uh, you know, 20 miles from one side to the other, 25, uh, we, we had anywhere from a half inch to, you know, just under two. Again, showing how spotty the rains are and how the wide the extremes are from areas that can't get any hardly and, and areas like you're talking about that's had good rainfall. Yeah, yeah and there's no question. You know, the, the crazy thing about it is, is that, um, you know, we didn't necessarily need it, so to speak. Uh, and so I hate to even talk about it, but uh, you asked the question, so I'm going to be honest about it. We had, you know, we had a pretty good situation. Uh, we have a good situation going. Now, uh, you get into some of these areas, and people have been begging for a rain for quite some time. That's uh, certainly a very frustrating proposition. Uh, I know what it's like, and I've been there and done that. But, uh, you know, there's going to be a tough, uh, really tough task for the trade moving forward to figure out, hey, what does this yield look like? You know, I mean, because you've got anything from really good crops in some areas to just pretty poor crops in others, and then you've got a little bit of everything in between. I do think some of the eastern corn belt will be pushing on some records on corn. Uh, beans is too early to tell yet, but, you know, there'll be parts of the uh, northwestern uh, most part of the corn belt that certainly is going to be on the opposite end of that spectrum. So uh, at this stage of the game, I think we've probably got a record corn crop uh, but I don't know if we've got that 179 and a half, 180 that the USDA is talking about. Um, I mean, this is not new. We have these extremes in years past, and we have the good areas, the bad areas. Why is it so much more difficult, seemingly, this year to really get a handle on what overall production might be? I think uh, a variety of things. I mean, obviously, you added a fair amount of acres, for instance, in some of the areas that are hardest hit as far as dryness is concerned so it kind of changes things around as to uh, who might be the big producers or would have been the big producers if you if you've had uh, ideal weather now last year i believe uh, north dakota you know certainly was a uh, ninth or tenth in production and so there are ways down there but <clears throat> at the same time you know north and south dakota were the two states that picked up the highest percentage of acres for corn and soybeans this year so 
it makes it tough whenever you've got areas that picked up a lot of production. Uh, you know, you may have some abandonment going on. You may have uh, drastically reduced yields going on. Uh, and, and so it's going to kind of throw things off a little bit. And, and again, at the same time, I think there will be counties, you know, in Illinois and Indiana, maybe even in Iowa, that will be pushing on some record yields. I think parts of Ohio, you're looking at the same type of thing. Now, I know not everyone's going to be in that situation. And certainly some people have had way too much rain. I'm not going to discount that, but, uh, you know, usually a whole lot of rain or too much rain, if you will, uh, still translates to awfully good yields. So we watch and see how the Board of Trade reacts to this. But meanwhile, out in the country, depending on where you're at, uh, that cash basis can be moving around. There's no doubt about basis. So, you know, last week we uh, heard whispers of <clears throat> on the river, you know, $2 over. Uh, you know, definitely above posted bids. I think that there's some producers that were able to take advantage of some of this. Uh, but by all means, as far as corn's concerned, basis has been on fire, especially around any sort of uh, river terminals. Now, whenever you look, for instance, over at soybeans, it's a little bit of a different story. Most of the basis levels that we had reported to us over the last uh, several days were actually a widening basis. So uh, beans are kind of headed in the opposite direction of corn. We all know that there's not much in the way of soybeans, if any, you know, in parts of the country. But at the same time, uh, it sure doesn't seem like they're having to bid up for those. Uh, so, you know, it's an interesting disparity. I do think some crushers decide to either slow or shut down. Uh, but this is something that they expected for quite some time. So um, totally different tales for those two. I think heading into harvest, you're going to have something to watch out for. You know, any producer who's got a chance to harvest some early corn, even if it's wet, I think there's going to be a major incentive to do so. Uh, there'll probably be some drying deals. I think it's going to be uh, maybe a very busy time for all of us, Mike, whenever some of us are trying to head to Farm Progress Show, because with some of this early planted corn in a, a warmer, biased summer, I do think there's going to be some corn in that time frame that's probably going to be harvested. Yeah, that'll be interesting. Meanwhile, August, of course, the critical month for soybeans. Yeah, no question about it. So we all know that beans are an August crop. Now, I would say that some of our early planted April beans, you know, that got this good soaking rain over the weekend probably got them a lot closer to the finish line maybe than uh, uh, what you would typically have seen back in the past, you know, whenever we were all planting beans in the middle of May. Uh, but I, I think that, you know, we certainly are going to need a couple more rains, but I feel pretty confident that we're going to have a decent bean crop in this part of the world. Now, uh, again, it's too early for a lot of folks, uh, especially if, if people have not received the rainfall. I think that this bean crop, though, uh, calling it around a 50 bushel crop, 50.8 maybe a stretch so far, but I do think we've got an awfully good chance to get to 50. It's just going to be uh, dependent upon what we see for weather over the next three or four weeks. Yeah, we plant beans earlier all the time, but this year they got off to a slow start. They did get off to a slow start, but then, uh, you know, we had some heat come in, and uh, we actually were flowering at the maximum sunlight date there uh, towards the end of June. And so we feel like we're actually in pretty good shape as far as how far along they've come. So I don't know that there's going to be any beans cut by the time Far Progress Show rolls around, but I don't think they'll be too far off. So I would say uh, first 10 days of September in central Illinois, you'll probably get you know a fair amount of beans cut because I do think there's a lot of producers that planted early group threes, if not late group twos, trying to uh, kind of get ahead of things, knowing that there weren't going to be a whole lot of beans around going into harvest. Yep, it's going to get interesting real quick. All right, Matt, good to talk with you. Thanks a lot. Absolutely. Thanks for having me.
Take care. Matt Bennett with agmarket.net. All right. Tomorrow, we'll keep you up to date on this ag legislation, including infrastructure. We'll take a look at these uh, weather concerns across the country and the ongoing battle with soybean cyst nematode. Hope you'll join us right here on AOA. Hi, this is Mike Adams. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture. Join me Monday through Friday for the latest farm and agriculture news from around the world.